The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Nick Nanavati. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, Nick Nanavati, and this week we are joined by one of my favorite guests, one of the nicest people in Warhammer with the most sexual voice you have ever heard. Vic Vijay, how have you? Well, what an introduction. I haven't had that one before. Thank you, Nick. It's a, it's a pleasure as always to be back on the show with you. Well, like you said, you've been here before and you know what? We got to keep it fresh and we got to keep it interesting because you know what? You're here with brand new ideas and that's exactly what we're here to unpack. Vic has been exploring the world of sisters. Sisters battle, and he's doing it super different to our last sister's guest, Jeffrey Kladner. So uh, it's really cool to see a faction that apparently is actually really good. You know, we were just wrong. And doing so with different builds and how it all works. So uh, this week, we're going to get to know Vic a little more. We're going to get to know uh, what his journey has been like through 10th edition playing different factions. And then ultimately, we're going to talk about the sisters list that he's piloted to a 5-0 and finish, winning the Coventry Major Tournament in the UK. And how it all works, how it all comes together. That's going to be part one of our two-part show. And then in part two, which is for our patrons on AOW40K.com, that's where you can sign up. You'll get access to part two of this episode where Vic and I talk about individual games, individual matchups, where the models go on the table, what you're looking for. And ultimately, with Sisters of Battle specifically, this faction really plays the situation it's in more so uniquely than any other faction. So I'm really curious to see what Vic has to share with us in that excellent part two. Vic, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very interested to talk about, um, like we did with the T-Suns, I'm very interested to talk about another faction, which is, you know, maybe slightly off meta, has a lot of ideas which have still not been fully worked out at the moment. Um, and maybe, you know, we can both teach each other a little bit because I know you've had a bit of interest in Sisters as well at the moment. That's right. This podcast is actually especially close to my heart because I, too, have just jumped into the sisters' faith pool as deep as possible. And, man, there is so much to explore. I am nowhere near as experienced in this faction as you are, Vic, so I'm here to learn just as much as everybody else. And I'm really here to kind of share my ideas and see what your experience has to say about that. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sisters is one of these uh, factions where they have, so I've been playing them since 8th edition, just kind of jumping in on, on them maybe once or twice each edition. And every time they've always had a very engaging play style with a lot of things that competitive players like, a lot of cheap units, able to play the mission really well, and able to create consistency with the Miracle Dice mechanic, which is actually now probably one of the strongest kind of special rules in the game. And uh, it's, it's a thing which which makes sisters very powerful competitively. And I think people are slightly sleeping on them, but people are starting to wake up to how powerful they are at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I think it's becoming a little more mainstream of a faction, but still, when you rock up to the table with the sisters army, your opponent probably doesn't know all your tricks. So hopefully we're here to share some of that light on it. Um, Nick, your journey here. You started 10th edition, as we all did in June, with no idea what was good and bad. We're all just figuring it out. And you got... Lumped in a thousand suns very quickly, if I recall, because you had the World Team Championships in August. And you needed to, to master a faction as best you could as quickly as possible. And then beyond that, you had LGT a few months later. And LGT, you just piloted Eldar, you know, newest, hottest, greatest stuff. And you did very well making top eight over there. And that wasn't too long ago. And all of a sudden, now you're winning majors with sisters. What has that transition been like? <laughs> 
So, um, I mean, Thousand Suns was a joy. That was a joy of list innovation. Everything that I enjoy about the game came through with that on top of being able to go to WTC for the first time. But prior to this, there was a little bit of a transition into the way I was looking at competitive 40K. I was much more involved in kind of list design and trying to work out some novel ideas, create my own list concepts from, from kind of base level. And, uh, you know, I kind of did that with the Emperor's Children. And then we had that Eldar build at the end of ninth edition. And then we had Thousand Sons. And then I kind of went back to square one with Eldar at LGT because when I did, this is something that Manny does where he takes a faction where everyone's been working on it for ages and ages. And then he looks at the most obvious thing and makes a change. And in our team, I just went, guys, why don't we just take three Night Spinners, three Warp Spider units, and then the usual suite of characters? Look at that. That's 2000 points on the nose. We tried it and it was just the best army. There was very little room for any kind of innovation. And actually, when you put the list on the board, it was extremely boring to play. So even as I was going through the LGT run, all I could think about was, I've got to find another faction to play. This is just this is just sucking my soul away. Is and, that like um, during yeah. the games of, of LGT during the tournament? You're like, I can't do this anymore. Like Eldar. Oh, it was so boring, Nick. You won't. Be- <laughs> oh my god! Each time I shot the night spinner, a little bit more of me just disappeared, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so slow and dry and predictable. And uh, you know, it's such an oppressive power compared to what your opponents can do. It just didn't didn't feel like I was expressing anything. Um, so yeah, Eldar were in the been straight after LGT until they maybe get nerfed again. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and what's what's Imperium's Eldar? Adeptosaurus. <laughs> of course, you traded Fate Dice for Miracle Trice. You, you traded Night Spears <laughs> for Exorcist. I mean, it's the same faction, really. <laughs> the same faction with a lot more flavor. Like it is actually kind of similar concepts, but there's a lot less kind of outright power in the sisters list, and a lot of that power comes from um, kind of combining your units in the correct way. And there's a massive emphasis on macro strategy as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that a little. Like mostly of this conversation, I think sisters are so deep in that front, but. When you why sisters of all factions? Was it just they saw the similarities between Eldar and you liked that, or was there something else drawing you to the faction? Well, I tend to cycle through uh, like five factions just over and over again, and sisters is one of the factions in my rotation. The other one was Grey Knights, so I was considering Grey Knights or sisters. Um, and CSM are also good at the moment, so that's also one of my kind of five or six factions. So um, I, I had a few choices. It. Every faction you play is great right now. It's it's doing pretty good at the moment. So I had a lot of choices here. And actually what happened was I looked at Sisters as being outright the weakest of my options. Um, and I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, I looked through the index and, you know, this is the first time in a long time I've kind of not built from um, a list just completely by scratch. Normally I start with a completely blank slate and I build the list up myself. Uh, this time I kind of contacted and got in touch with a few people who were working on Sisters. There was a guy called Scott Ketchum who went 5-0 at a big major. I got some ideas from him. I got some ideas from Typhus as well and Mitch from the Sister Act podcast. And they all told me, look, Vic, have you looked at this arcoflagellant data sheet? I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, you can build an army around that. That's that's really, really powerful. Um, and then it kind of went from there. So I took their concepts and built my ideas around it. Let me pause you right there because I think that's so fascinating. I too am starting Sisters like last week and I read the index and I normally build this the exact same way where I just start with a blank piece of paper and my own ideas and it probably is not that great, but let's that's how I learn. And 
For sisters specifically, for the first time, I think in literally years, I contacted other people just like you. I talked to Jeffrey Kaladner, Vicky, and I chatted a little bit in our Discord, and I kind of copy and pasted a list as my first draft, and then I started, you know, using other ideas after talking to more people. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's more just like it's fascinating that you and I both did that specifically with sisters. Is really what I'm pointing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you probably found this as you looked into the sisters index and looked at what options you have to tweak your list. The options are pretty deep. There's there's more choices than you have points in your list, and you have to make some decision points, which are very interesting in sisters list design. Right. There are some factions that have like 1,600 points of really good stuff, and they've struggled to fill the last 400 with quality units. But then sisters are like, I could fill 3,000 with quality units. Which 2,000 do I take? Yeah, absolutely. The good thing about sisters, though, is, okay, so Jeff has gone off on a tangent. Jeff is doing his own thing. But the rest of us who are kind of playing it more competitively and getting some results out of it are, are going along a concept where the lists macro strategy guides what you put in the list. And by that, I mean, like, at the most base level, if you take a front line and a back line, the front line would be the arc of flagellants playing the primary control, your early game. And then you have this attrition from the three or two exorcists at the back. Um, And then everything in the middle is your flavor and your design, be that Paragon Warsuits or be that Immolators um, and how many like little chaffy units you take, whether you go for these combos with the Palatine or you use the Triumph as your centerpiece in the list. All of that stuff in between your two layers of macro strategy is completely up to you and everything seems to work. Yeah, I definitely feel like when I'm comparing units to each other within the codex, it's all side grades of itself. You know, an emulator is not that different from Rhino. They do slightly different things, have different jobs sometimes, but you're both transports. And, you know, Retributor to a Dominion to a Sisters of Battle, it's all the same toughness, three power armor body, some amount of melted guns or heavy flamers, you know, it's all more or less the same. So how do you refine it from there? Or is it like when you're Building your macro strategy, right? You have your triple exorcists, which are like powerful indirect fire. You have arc of flagellants. What's their data sheet like? The arc of flagellants. Oh my god, the arc of flagellants are really, really nutty. Um, the the key thing is, whenever you look at something that's not, say, in the meta, is you got you try and find something that just looks a little bit broken. Something that looks a little bit too strong for its points cost. And I think sisters truly only have that in the arc of flagellants, in my opinion. Um, they're 130 points for 10 models. They have two wounds each and a four-up feel no pain. They don't really have a save, but they are an infantry model. So you could give them a six-up invuln by going to ground. Um, and then they have a lot of attacks. Um, they can go up to six attacks with hazardous weapons. Sustained hits are strength five zero one, um, And they have twin linked as well. You have very easy access access to plus one to wound. You have very easy access to fight on death, which can then trigger with your plus one to hit as your models die, and uh, plus one to wound as soon as you get under half strength. So they're just a very good unit that forces your opponent to overcommit in order to deal with them because they're slightly undercosted. Um, 390 points for 30 of these guys split over three units is very, um, very good at making your list more efficient than it should be. Yeah, it's kind of like the backbone, right? Like you have it's not a troop choice or a battle line unit these days, but it is 60 wounds with four of being pain. And that alone is just nuts across three units that all hit hard into basically anything. Like with plus one to wound and to unlink, you don't care what your toughness is. You know, you'll wound knights on fives re-rolling, and that's a 55% wound rate. The only real thing you'll struggle with is like two plus armor saves. But we can cover that. So these are great, you know, cheap 
skirmisher, just brutal unit to battle with. And your kind of concept is exorcist shoot indirect. These guys are the front line and they're tough to kill. You have tons of points left and, you know, indirect plus counter charge is always been a tactic. So I love it as an approach so far. How do you finish it out from here? So next we've got to look at if there's any other powerful combinations in the army that can help you deal with heavier things like vehicles, tanks. And sisters have one particular unit that is anti-everything. Um, it's quite an expensive combination, but most of the sisters lists are running this particular combination, which is a unit of 10 battle sisters with a palatine that gives them lethal hits. Uh, the palatine will have an enhancement, so she's an absolute beat stick. And then we have uh, a dialogus in that unit as well. You can attach a second character because you have a palatine in there. Um, and that lets you use any miracle dice that you do use automatically become sixes. And then you can keep the triumph of St. Catherine nearby, who has the single most powerful ability, I think, in the list if you build for it, which is you can use as many miracle dice as you want within six inches. Um, that means that, you know, you have you only have a single multi-melter and a single multi-melter gun in this unit. But all of a sudden, if you just throw three miracle dice into it, um, you've automatically wounded with two multi-melter shots and a melter gun shot because there have been sixes to hit and you get lethal hits. Um, so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you can suddenly pop 18 damage or more if you're in melter range into a vehicle. Um, and then in combat, you absolutely smash if you go and just dump your Miracle Dice into this combination because the Palatine is a very good combat unit that also triggers very well with precision because any time the Palatine does a wound, it does a mortal wound in addition. Um, so if you just throw five Miracle Dice in, her five attacks automatically wound. There are three damage hits, which also put five mortal wounds in afterwards. With precision, with the stratagem, um, you the mortal wounds do apply to the character uh, as per the design commentary. So it's very powerful in this meta. That's a really, really interesting unit combo tactic. I know you mentioned combos and little micro interactions are kind of how you build your macro strategy. So let's just unpack it a little more minutely. You get the triumph. You've got ten sisters battle. You've got a palantine who gives lethal hits to the unit and has a badass combat weapon. And then dialogus. So the dialogus makes all your miracle dice sixes. The Triumph lets you use unlimited Miracle Dice on the unit. And then with lethal hits, every time you use a six for a hit roll, which is any Miracle Dice, um, it automatically converts to a wound, triggering mortals, triggering melt the wounds. Life's great. So what's like that unit doing on the table? Because I, I love that unit in concept, but it's also just 10 Sisters of Battle and two characters attached walking around hoping that everything is okay. Yeah, this is where um, careful kind of macro strategy comes into play, which is what you've alluded to there. And uh, the key thing is there are some things you can't avoid. One is that the sisters of battle, that unit needs to be attached to the triumph, like they need to be in close proximity to each other, that they are able to activate together. The second one is you need um, a path created for them through the battlefield, because in my case, I'm not really playing them out of a transport. I'm literally playing them on foot. You can do that quite easily in some very interesting ways with sisters. Now, in terms of the ways this unit can be threatened, yes, it can be killed, but it's extremely difficult to go through the whole unit. And there are often many positions on the board where an opponent would have to significantly overcommit 
on very unfavorable angles to kill this entire unit. And you can use that to your advantage. If this unit dies, it's not the end of the world. You can always use a stratagem to bring the Palatine back up, and the Palatine can just go solo. When the Palatine's wounded, she gains an extra attack, so she now has six attacks. So you can have the solo beat stick if you need to. So I think with sisters, none of your resources are so precious that you care about them dying. It's more you want them all to be in a position where they could activate, and it's up to your opponent to decide which threats he's going to remove. So I played that Battle Sister Squad kind of moderately aggressive, like behind the wall, but don't be afraid to kind of throw it into the into the mix uh, when you whenever you get a chance. Right, and you're kind of just moving up the table with it, taking pot shots with multi melters, hiding behind terrain as makes sense. But then, um, you know, trying to get it up the table so you can get in that 12 inch range, get those charges off, and really force your opponent to feel the pain. There's also a thing that with the Triumph's ability to um, let you use as many Miracle Dice as you want, you can end up in a stage in the game where you have a lot of Miracle Dice and this Battle Sister squad is just unkillable uh, with the Dialogus there because any Miracle Dice you put in just automatically saves the unit. Um, that It can make a very weird kind of decision for your opponent on where they put their threat in. And often they don't want to deal with the Triumph and the Battle Sisters on turn four and five because they're just completely unkillable. So let's talk about the Triumph, um, which I think Triumph is a very interesting build design in general. Um, this list is like totally different styles, Jeffrey, who we had last time, like you said, but um, she is a very unique model. She is infantry. She's on a big, like oval flyer size base. She is pretty tall because she's got all these like dangly bits hanging off her. She's toughness three, she's three up armor. 18 wounds, she's not a lone op, so she can just be shot in the face, but she can hide behind walls, of course. Um, she could join sisters' infantry units, like battle sisters, um, just to get some more wounds on her, I suppose. And she has like a million special rules. So, like, what is Triumph doing in your army, and how do you use her, and, and like, how do you keep her alive, and all that? So I think the Triumph is the second undercosted unit in Sisters. So I think the two most powerful units are the Arc of Flagellants and the Triumph of St. Catherine. At 125 points, in my view, the Triumph of St. Catherine is clearly undercosted. Um, you mentioned a lot of the rules there, but it's more about kind of the... The, the defensive profile is is probably the more important thing here because there are a lot of situations where your opponent just cannot engage and completely kill the Triumph of St. Catherine. And even if they do find enough firepower to get through, let's say some of the best things to deal with her is stuff that ignores her invulnerable save. So let's say a unit of 10 warp spiders shoot her and they take 16 wounds off her, still alive with two wounds. You still have the opportunity, if she does die, to bring her back up again with divine intervention. Um, so there's going to be a very small number of cases where the Triumph dies outright to shooting in combat. But the way I found the Triumph usually plays is she is a support piece that by turn three, you need to make sure she's not in your backfield. She has to be putting her OC6 onto objectives. She has to be fighting with her 18 attacks that often have lethal hits. She has to be activating the Battle Sister squad around her. Early game, she's a very powerful defensive tool because she gives things a six-up feel-no-pain, and she can also gain sixes on Miracle Dice when things around her die. So overall, every single one of her abilities is extremely useful. Even the plus-one leadership is relevant against World Eaters when you're trying to fall back from Exalted 8-bound. She's just an incredible um, kind of multi-purpose centerpiece to the army. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think it's really easy to think of her as I take her to do a job. And this is some a pitfall I've been falling into. Like she gives she's here to make my units die and give me sixes. And then I translate those to unlimited miracle dice. And I get the combos. But it's really easy to also be afraid with her and have her hide behind a wall. It's really easy to um, let her not be pushing that OC6 onto objectives because you're afraid of, of getting her killed early, not knowing when to switch between those different or abilities she has, and like generally how much you should bunch your army up around her, because sisters should also love to spread out and kind of play the whole table. So she is kind of counterintuitive to that. How do you manage all those external things with her? So with this particular list concept, with the 30 arc of flagons, there is a point where you have to decide to threat saturate. Like the, this list concept doesn't work without threat saturation at some point. And at some point, you need to have your battle sisters out, St. Celestina out, 10 battle sisters, um, Triumph of St. Catherine out. Maybe 20 of the Ark of Flagellants are out somewhere. Maybe your exorcists are actually shooting directly on turn three. And you need to give your opponent a lot of targets spread out across the board um, in order to fully make use of every single unit you have. For example, with the exorcist, if you're not shooting them directly, you're missing out on a hunter-killer missile and a heavy bolter. And this list needs every single source of output outputting in order for it to work. With the Triumph, if it's behind a wall, you're missing out on the OC6, the combat. You could even throw grenades and shoot has six bolt pistols. You even need to activate those kinds of things. Otherwise, you just don't have a powerful enough army to push through the enemy, uh, in my opinion. So a, look for the threat saturation point is probably my advice on that one. That's a, that's a great point. You keep mentioning turn three as like the cadence of it. Um, in most of your games, do you find like you're just kind of hiding and waiting and firing exorcist turn one, and then like maybe doing midfield skirmishing a little bit turn two with like one arc of flagellation and turn three is the big push? Or is that kind of game by game, situation by situation, more for part two? I think that's that's the key concept with the Exorcist there. It does give you a passive turn one, two. Um, usually, you know, you are... Uh, for me, I play tactical every single game with this. I haven't had a chance to play fixed yet. I haven't played against, a, like, Tau or something. Um, but the tactical cards, the key is you try and get up to that four command points by your turn three so that you have all of your combos available with the command points and you start to really control the game because your opponent's not able to engage you in melee if you have a lot of command points. And you can also put in lots of output without worrying. You can throw grenades, get plus one to wound, um, you know, reroll a charge so you get the consistency, etc. So I think the way I play this list anyway, turn one and two, I'm just scoring my points with my little crusaders. Maybe a seraphim unit goes and scores something. I move block screen a little bit, and it's only on turn three when the opponent realizes that okay, you know what, maybe I'm falling behind a little bit on points. They get into slightly unfavorable positions to try and get some attrition on me. That's when I just decide, okay, I've got a little bit of an opening here. Let's just go full threat saturation as much as we can. Still try and hide behind walls. If you can cut out parts of their army from being able to engage with you, that's really, really powerful. But everything has to be in the position for turn three, four, five to actually go. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I see how it all comes together. Why don't you break down kind of line by line what your list actually is i know a lot of sisters lists are kind of similar without being the same but what is the list you took specifically okay let's do this so i've got it in front of me i love this list because i i the optimized version of this list is way more boring than the list i actually took 
So the list I took was the Palatine that we spoke about, the Dialogus, and the Triumph of St. Catherine. But we also have two more characters. We have St. Celestine and a canoness with uh, the crossbow Balkan, the Antisyca one, and a brazier. Uh, so five characters. We've got two units of ten Battle Sisters. Both of them have a multi-melter and a melter gun in them. Uh, and they both have Condemner Balkans, again, the crossbow on the uh, superiors. Um, we also have an Immolator to go with that to split the second unit into two fives. We have three units of ten Arcoflagellants, two units of two Crusaders, a unit of Seraphim with some uh, Flamers. We have three Exorcists and a Castigator. Uh, the Castigator's got the Battle Cannon, and finally we've got two Rhinos as well. So we've got a good number of vehicles and a good number of characters in there, but uh, kind of playing around the 20 to, to see if I can tempt someone into it, bring it down. You've already asked my question for me, Vic. I was going to say... You, your plan is to kind of get ahead in the first couple turns using Exorcist to really put some pressure on on the asset level and then using Crusaders and, and Garbage Squad Seraphim to, to score your secondaries. But if you're bleeding potentially 40 secondaries on characters and bring it down, um, although maybe not the easiest 40 secondaries, but you know maybe they go Assassinate and Homers or something. And then on top of that, you're not really playing in the midfield with anything besides arcoflagellants that's not much oc how do you not fall behind on primary early and then you know bleed your secondaries and not actually come up ahead on points um so it depends if people take fixed against you right and uh, with this list there's five characters so yes with you know with re with bringing characters back up five is a very awkward number and if i was to optimize this list i would almost definitely go down to four characters i think sisters play perfectly off four characters um bring it down however one opponent did take that and i think that is a huge trap to take bring it down because as soon as you take bring it down there are two rhinos tucked in and three exorcists which can hide as well and the opponent is absolutely forced to come at you otherwise they, they probably do just lose the game on points so i think you could build more bring it down and drop the assassinate count below 20 to dissuade people from taking it um but in my case i thought celestine's so cool i have to use celestine somehow and uh, that canon s is just like i just had this crazy idea like you know maybe you know i can kill yin khans just with this little two crossbows in a unit um and uh, it, it actually happened that was a very good unit um uh, so i ended up uh, kind of keeping that canon s in and compromising the list a little bit in terms of primary the Arcoflagellants are very good at just putting 10 models on an objective and making it extremely awkward for opponents to steal your primary. Uh, I found that, you know, in most games, across most factions, the way I tend to play is just trying to hold two objectives here and just maintain that through the game until you can get some kind of killing going in the middle of the game and you can kind of get ahead a little bit on primary at the end. But I tend to play for very close games, Um with both secondary and primary just coming to the end game. So uh, I think there's enough here to play a good primary game, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally see that. Um, you, the Arcoflagellants help a lot. How aggressive are you playing those Arcoflagellants? Are they like just move advancing, trying to just be bullet catchers to get the game going? And, you know, they're so tough, it's okay. Or are they like actively trying to hunt good targets to hit and, you know, be used a little bit more of a counterpunch? 
I don't usually use them to do damage. Um, you know, if they do do damage, great, it happens. But most people are kind of pre-measuring all of their movement. They, they can't advance and charge, so it's pretty easy to stay away from them. Uh, but first turn, I'll just advance 10 of them onto an objective. That'll be my uh, my second objective that I hold alongside my home objective. And then the two rhinos will just tuck in somewhere with 10 more arcoflagellants and kind of maybe try and get some primary denial going, maybe try and hold primary if I don't have anything else to do, even completing a second you know, if I've got area denial, I'll throw 10 arcoflagellants in there if I don't have any crusaders there. It, 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 what The key thing is when you do activate them, you activate them in a position where it's awkward for the opponent to kill them. And you have the opportunity to gain momentum by threat saturating on your turn if they do go for it, um, which is easier said than done. But if you actually are actively looking for that, it's you will find opportunities to do that with units like arcoflagellants. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So when you're pushing primary up with Arcoflagellants, they move seven, which is really nice. And like within a miracle die, you can pretty much guarantee you just get up there. Um, and they require more effort than your opponent wants to expend to deal with them kind of in an efficient way. And if they just charge them, you fight on death. Is that kind of the idea there? Yeah, I think if you can kind of just, uh, well, there's loads of different permutations to this, but let's say you just string the unit out a little bit so that, you know, if they do gain an angle, they could kill maybe half of the unit and then the other half of the unit just stays alive. It's very hard for them to have a unit that does, kills them in a single activation. Um, there's a very small handful of units that can do that. Um, so there's a lot of situations where you can end up with three, four or five of them alive and just being an absolute nuisance to deal with, uh, which, uh, which is always fun. Everyone loves Arcoflagellants there. So, so cool. <laughs> Such a cool yeah. concept. Nice. So, I, I think I picked up on how your army is really playing the game and the table. What is like a typical deployment look like for you, if you could simplify that? Yeah, sure. So each, I've got two rhinos. So the rhinos will have 10 archiflagellants, 10 archiflagellants, two crusaders and two crusaders to use up the 12 capacity. Um, we've got the canoness and the unit of five sisters inside of the immolator. Those three will be pushed towards the front line. I've got 10 archiflagellants, which are on the board as well. And those will be in a position where they can just jump onto the second objective on your natural progression. There'll usually be one objective a little bit closer to you. Uh, we've got the three exorcists, which can't be behind your back corner ruin. They have to be positioned just behind the rhinos uh, so that if they do move they could get angles in the mid game if they're stuck in the back you lose a lot of momentum i found because you need them to be getting the oc3 in and shooting their extra guns um, and then you've got your one split unit of five battle sisters this is why i think it's key to have the second battle sister squad which are on your home objective uh, which is gaining you miracle dice every turn and then in reserves i've got the castigator and the seraphim every single game um, and they come out turn two turn three the Seraphim will score points and the Castigator will get an angle to add a bit of damage where I need it. Really nice. So it all comes together. Like it looks like a, a little bit of a normal balanced sisters list, but there's so much subtlety here, right? Like the 10 Archiflagellas and two Crusaders going into a Rhino, splitting your sisters of five girls with bolters just sit on your backfield objective and gain you miracle dice while you have a little combat squad going out in the emulator with the Multi-melt, the melt the gun and cannonist. Talk to me about that unit. What is the cannonist sister squad and emulator package really doing for you? Oh my god, Nick, I'm so happy you've asked me about this because this is my single favorite unit ever. Because, um, so I basically thought I have to have five battle sisters on the backfield. I want the miracle dice. Okay, so I've got the emulator into the list. Um, now, how do I get the most value out of this little unit coming out of the emulator? 
I thought about it. I thought, okay, I can just use them as five. Am I really going to be hitting much with the multi-melter? Okay, let's try a heavy flamer so I don't have to hit, and I can get reroll to wound from the immolator. I did that in practice for a while, just that unit of five sisters with uh, three flamers in the unit. And then I thought, hold on a second. I am having a really tough time against Accursed Cultists and Eldari. So let's try a little bit of tech, making use of how powerful I think Condemned Balkans are. They're uh, just a normal bolter, so rapid fire one, strength four, zero AP, one damage. Uh, but they're anti-psycho two plus, uh, sorry, rapid fire one, I think I said one. Um, they are anti-psycho two plus with devastating wounds and precision. Now in that unit with the Canoness and the sister superior, the little five-man sister squad, there's two Condemned Balkans. The Canoness gives you rerolls to hit. Um, so, you know, you're probably going to hit with all of them. You're wounding on twos. You can get a bit of consistency on that. If you need to, you can reroll wounds with the uh, with the emulator. So you have a very good chance of, say, killing a Spirit Seer or the Dark Commune character if you get a chance to do that. Um, most people are not going to let you shoot that directly, so fine. But the fact that you could do it is enough to control movement a little bit. The thing that you can kill is Yin Khan's. Now, Yin Khans will easily take four mortal wounds from this combination. If you're near the Triumph, you could add an extra point of rapid fire. So now you're rapid fire two, so you can get six mortal wounds in. You can throw grenades for another four mortal wounds. In the game I played, the Yin Khan shot me, so I shot them back and did four mortal wounds before killing the Yin Khan with that little unit the next turn with another four mortal wounds and four from grenades. So uh, it's, it's a so nice... <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> But even then, you can um, just use that unit with the multi-melter re-rolling hits and re-rolling wounds to get a little bit of consistency and value out of the unit. And because this Canoness has a chainsword, I can take the Brazier of Holy Fire. That's a once-per-game D6 flamer, um, it's, which is two damage, uh, which, again, re-rolling wounds is excellent. So there's a lot of damage which comes out of this unit once you add the Canoness in. But it is very much teched for Eldari, I'd say, which is really prevalent in, in the UK meta. So this is just two condemned bolt guns, which is a bolt gun that is anti-psycho two plus death wounds and then and precision. So in rapid fire range, it's four shots with two of them. And then you mentioned that's just a consistent four wounds. And I get that you wound on twos, but you still hit on threes with the other girl. Are you, are you using fate dice here at all? Miracle dice? The canoness gives you rerolls to hit. So you're very likely to hit with all of them. Um, yeah. but, I mean, you can just create a bit of consistency with miracle dice, but overall it's it's pretty consistent. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I love that little package. It's so sneaky and awesome and all that stuff. One thing I've been trying, and I'm, I'm going to try to teach you something, Vic, here with my four games of Sisters experience. I have the same little setup, but my canonist has the mantle of Ophelia, the 15-point relic that makes all damage one. And then she has the ability on her data sheet right, to go two plus invul once per game. And I've been using her to just bump into people who don't have fallback and do stuff and just make their lives awful for a turn. I love that. That's so cool. It's a cool combination. I played against orcs and uh, I had my Canonist tag a unit of five mega knobs and a war boss and Mazrog, and I tied them both up. I was like, you're just not going anywhere. Fantastic. I love that. And that's another thing about the Canonist. The fact that she does have a two plus invo means she has a lot of staying power. Um, just, you know, give you a bit more screening, maybe get you engaged in all fronts in a corner. So uh, that, that little package does quite a lot. Unfortunately, it does add a character to the list, which is always a pain uh, for Assassinate. Um, and any chance to kind of cut characters down to your bare bones is quite important, I think, for sisters. So whether or not she would actually make the cut in an optimized version of the list, I'm, I'm not fully sure. 
bad. No, your list looks pretty optimized to me. One thing I always struggle with with sisters specifically more than most factions is that you have amazing characters and amazing vehicles, and your characters come back to life. And it's so easy to just give your opponent uh, Max, bring it down, Max assassinate or one or the other. And with that, I really like the balance you've struck because you're making use of like vehicles that are hard to kill and hide. So you're not really giving bring it down up and you're not taking things like solo penitent engines and mortifiers. And then your characters, they're like buried in squads and tougher to get to. And there's not an abundance of them. Have you tried experimenting with like a lot of characters or a lot of vehicles to and just bring value in exchange for points? Has that worked out for you at all? So the key unit that's missing from my list is Morven Val and the Paragon Warsuits, which is probably the key source of giving up, bring it down, and uh, you know adds to the assassinate count as well. Um, I think without that unit, bring it down becomes very difficult. And I did play with Morven Val and Paragon Warsuits all the way through my initial stages of practicing. Um, I have not won a single game using them <laughs> because I was just playing against the Ignite guys, and I really struggled to play out of strategic reserves against good players. Um, because they'll see a unit like this, and it's very easy for someone who knows what they're doing to completely screen these guys out and put them in such a suboptimal position. They're often having to wait to turn three to get any value out of them. Even out of rapid ingress, you're just going to kind of kill something random and be stuck for most of the game. It's going to be turn five before you really activate. So um, an active decision is to drop Morvenval in the Pagamosis, and I think you're not running her as well, right? I just cut my paragons and I just tried solo vol for the first time and I was solo vol. She she was okay as solo vol. It was it was fine, but again, she adds to bring it down and assassinate, so probably going to get cut in a refined version. Yeah, I think um, that unit is brilliant, but a, a question has to be asked here: Is are you trying to do well at a tournament? Or are you trying to win a tournament? And I think the paragon war suits answer one of those, which is they will often let you do well at a tournament because if you're playing against someone who's you know not like a massively top tier world class player, they're not gonna really they're often gonna allow you to get vol and the paragon war suits into quite an advantageous position, and that unit can almost solo an army. Or, and completely swing momentum towards you. So it's a very effective unit for trying to aim for a 3-2 or a 4-1. But against very good players, I feel like that unit is a liability. And unfortunately, I think against both Eldari and CSM, I think that unit is a liability against good players. So dropping that and getting more stuff into the list that allows you to play the mission, look for opportunities, um, and also lean into triple exorcist which are the swingiest thing in the world but at least there is a chance of a swing up which just lets you win game into eldari um i think is probably the correct direction to go if you want to try and hit a 5-0 or better this is a great point i think very little discussion is based around the difference between taking a good unit that can get you very far like paragons and vol they, they rapid ingress they shoot very hard like you said they can basically solo an army but it's just a slow-moving unit that adds a lot of secondary points potential to your opponent and is not that hard to kill and easy to screen. So all of those potential weaknesses to it are only weaknesses if your opponent is good enough to exploit them, which not all players are. But this does go back to what you said, win a tournament versus do well at a tournament and what your goals are. So I really love that distinction. Honestly, Vic, when I played my Vol and Paragons versus Jack and his Orcs, I was like, this is useless. Like, I'm just dying here. So I kind of I kind of feel the same way after, after having now played it a few times. 
Yeah, and they, they almost single-handedly lost me the games because I had this 350-point unit, which I couldn't activate. And also, I had to activate because it's like more than, it's like a quarter of my army. And um, if they die, I lose like 15 points. <laughs> so right. it's uh, it's kind of a bad combination, really. No, I hear you. And honestly, it felt to me like I was I was paying for the Paragons to make Vol have extra wounds. It was it was like a very strange unit when I was playing with it. It was it was good when I got it to work, but you didn't always get it to work for sure. One thing I think that's really strange about your list, Vic, is that there's no assassin. Where's where's the Calidus? Um. So I I don't really know the hype about the Calidus. Uh, is this is this bad? Is this something that I shouldn't say on the internet? Like I mean, the internet um, might come stab you with pitchforks now. Because I keep hearing people say that like any Imperium list needs to have the Calidus Assassin. And then whenever I use the Calidus Assassin, I'm like, okay, this is this is another character. So this is Assassinate. And also, she's kind of just going up and down in the same spot. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not actually like finding a good position to use it to go forward. Whereas um, sisters have an incredible deep striking unit in the Seraphim, um, which is, uh, you know, 15 points cheap, 20 points cheaper. And uh, I think does a lot more in this list. Uh, having five models that is able to like deep strike, shoot a bunch, and then also move block quite aggressively can almost single-handedly win you games um, just with having an extra Seraphim unit. So I think if you have like a Seraphim unit and the Caldas Assassin, I would prefer having two Seraphim in a sister's list over the Caldas Assassin. Really? This is so fascinating. So I am one of those prescribers to, who starts Imperialist at 1910 and just runs the assassin. And she totally does go up and down in the same spot. And every now and then you play against someone where Vect actually matters quite a bit, like Chaos Space Marines or something. Um, but then there's times where you draw behind enemy lines on turn four, turn five, and you're like, nothing is getting back there. Oh, wait, I have five points now. And then that's really nice. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's about like optimizing it ideally. And I think sisters do struggle with assassinate. I think that alone makes you look for an alternative to the Caldas assassin, even if the alternative isn't quite as good. Um, but in this case, I think the Seraphim are as good. They just uh, have slightly different uses. Yeah. So the last unit we haven't really talked about in here uh, is your Castigator and your Two-Man Crusaders. Now, your Two-Man Crusaders... There's not much to say about them, right? They're two models that just go do two model things. Is there anything you keep in mind when you're using them? Um, so the crusade, so the crusaders are very powerful in this list. In fact, any infantry unit is very, very powerful because of the stratagem suffering and sacrifice, which uh, just means that any enemy models in an engagement range of the unit you use suffering and sacrifice on can only target that unit. Um, so that can be very powerful with two crusaders going into the middle of, say, a blob of really punchy stuff, forcing them to attack the crusaders, and then you have like archiflagents on the side just wailing away slowly. It can buy you an extra turn of time, which can be absolutely critical also really powerful defensively as well um you know if, if what i was saying about having four command points is very powerful for a heroic intervention and then suffering sacrifice in the middle of an enemy unit um anything like that and even just explaining it to your opponent can completely change the way they play the game so i think the crusaders are so good uh in sisters and they gain you a miracle dice fantastic yeah no they are just amazing value through and through could not agree more um, talk to me about this random castigator. I know all the sister players love the castigator, but I just see this thing with the battle cannon, heavy bolters, and more break it downs. So what what is going on here? <laughs> the, the castigator is good. I think um, in my list, Celestine should be another castigator uh, if I was going to optimize it. Um, the battle cannon is okay. 
Um, I mean, strength 10, minus one, ignore cover, uh, flat three damage, um, and rerolling hits against vehicles. Uh, cool. Um, it does a little bit of damage. But then you look at the, how many guns it has, and it has like three heavy bolters, a storm bolter, and a hunter killer missile, and it's 140 points. And then you look at it, and you're like, you know what, that's that's okay. And um, sisters do need something, I think, playing out of strategic reserves in order to apply, like, an extra bit of damage somewhere. The Castigator does that beautifully. Now, it might be a little bit to do with me playing on UKTC, which is extremely congested across the middle of the board, but quite open down the flanks. So strategic reserve, long-range shooting units are quite effective on UKTC. You can get really nice angles. Um, so I would love to have two Castigators in the list. They just add a little bit of extra chip damage, um, which just seems to be okay into everything. You can't expect them to wipe a unit on their own, but they'll certainly kill three or four models, which is all you need, really. Yeah, no, sisters are definitely an added-up kind of army across every, all the different ways you do damage. Like you said, even more, um, Triumph's pistols, you know, you get there in the end. How do you find your matchup into, like, we'll talk about matchups in one part, too, but, like, how do you find your ability to kill super hard to kill things? Like, is that a challenge for you? Is there any, like, particular units you're thinking of? Let's let's go with Land Raider Redeemers, you know, something like that, or like Knights, just generically very difficult models. Yeah, okay, so there's two different issues there, like Land Raiders, Land Fortresses, those kinds of things without an invulnerable save. Um, are, you have the perfect unit in your kind of Dialogus Palatine multi-multi unit that can just suddenly, boom, here you go, 18 damage, take that. Um, against things with invulnerable saves, it's more interesting. Now, knights are the one where you just drown them in three up four up saves. Um, they can easily get a four up invuln for one CP, but you have so much AP one in this list uh, between kind of heavy bolters, exorcists, the castigators, battle cannon, um, that you can make here. They, they take a bucket of um, four up saves. If you fail a few of them, there's a six from the miracle dice, and here's another like 3d6 damage or another six damage. So, both of those are fine. The problem is when you have an invulnerable save and a two plus armor save, and then you're kind of stuck. So units like Heart Guard, for example, are a little bit of a, a pain to deal. With. Oh, I don't think they have a five up invuln, but so they're okay. Two two up armor, four up invuln, problem. Two up armor, uh, three up armor, and four up invuln, perfectly fine. Um, no invuln, perfectly fine. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so it's very specific, the units that you struggle with. <laughs> yep. All right, so I think that pretty much wraps up my questions for the, the first part of this episode. Vic, if you had any advice for any aspiring Sisters players before you head over to part two and talk about our matchups and our situational playing, um, what would it be? I'd probably say the sisters have one of the best online communities in the Sister Act Discord. So I think that's a good starting point because people offer a lot of help in a way that, you know, I see it in the Art of War Discord as well, but a lot of online communities, the discussion isn't that pushed towards competitive play. Um, so I definitely recommend that. I think that's that's basically where I got the foundations for my list from. I will second that. As someone who's recently started their journey into Sisters, I've been met with nothing but warmth and happiness and excitement from all of you fellow Sister folks. So thank you so much, Sisters community, for being awesome. Thank you so much, Art of War community, for listening to this show. It really helps us keep producing it. And if you want to support some more, please join us in part two. That's on AOW40K.com. That is our Patreon's five bucks a month. Gets you access to the second half of this conversation, where Javik and I will discuss matchups and actually putting the models on the table. 
And then we're also going to get you access to the other 217 episodes of the show. So tons of value and that amazing Discord server where we talk about sisters. So you might as well just go over to AOW40K.com and sign up. Vic, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Absolutely. All right, listeners, we'll see you in part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. Thank you.